Hi, I'm Caroline, a yoga teacher with a special interest in menopause based in Edinburgh. And hi, I'm Dr. Clara, GP with a special interest in menopause based in North London. Together we are the Menopause Sisters and we're here to guide and support you through your menopause journey. Welcome to the Menopause Sisters show with myself, Caroline and my sister, Dr. Claire. And today we thought we'd revisit HRT, Hormone Replacement Therapy. There's been a lot of discussion around HRT recently because of the recent documentary that aired on Channel 4 here in the UK, presented by Davina McCall and produced by Kate Muir, who wrote the book Everything You Need to Know About the Menopause. And there's been a lot of confusion around HRT historically, so we thought it would be helpful to revisit the options around HRT, kind of what it is, possible risks, benefits, um, and some of the other questions we've had over the last two or three weeks, whether that's been in workshops with uh, women here in Edinburgh or London, as well as workplaces and through Instagram and social media generally. So, so Claire, maybe we can start with, you know, what HRT is and the different forms. Yeah, so HRT is hormone replacement therapy or in America, MHT, menopausal hormonal therapy. Um, and it consists of two hormones, estrogen and progesterone. And these are obviously the hormones that we produce in our reproductive years in fairly good quantities. But as we approach the menopause and certainly perimenopausally, these hormones fluctuate quite wildly. And so what HRT aims to do is just to replace these ever so slightly. So we're not overdosing you with with hormones. We're just giving you a tiny, tiny supplement, if you like, of these hormones to help with some of the symptoms that are commonly experienced around the time of the perimenopause and menopause. And it might be worth just pointing out or some of the the very common symptoms, a lot of the psychological symptoms are the the first, first to arise in perimenopause, aren't they? Yeah, so it's really, really common to start to experience the cognitive and psychological symptoms of the perimenopause first. And what's interesting about that is that you often don't know that they're happening. So you often might start to feel slightly more um, confused. You might start to feel a bit low in mood. You might start to have a lack of motivation. And sometimes it's those sort of slightly insidious at first symptoms that can start to occur and it's very difficult in this day and age to pinpoint that as being a perimenopausal symptom because many symptoms can mimic other symptoms so if you go in isolation to your GP with one symptom actually it's quite difficult to diagnose the perimenopause but if you go in with a whole host of symptoms it's slightly easier but we know that those psychological symptoms can be some of the first that 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 they rear their head if you like Um, and also we know that if you start hormone replacement therapy early if you want to if you can then it can be the best at treating those symptoms and certainly far far better than treating those symptoms than than an antidepressant which is not recommended as first line and actually i think it might even be worth mentioning a few more more of the um, physical symptoms as well whilst we know that we have an estrogen receptor in every cell of our body and Almost any symptom can uh, can be a, a symptom of perimenopause and menopause. Um, you know, some women get tinnitus and don't realise that's a, a potential symptom. Sore joints, um, aching muscles, insomnia, or or even just waking up at floor in the morning. Um, that kind of catastrophizing and not being able to get back to sleep also some vaginal symptoms so vaginal dryness or that kind of feeling of maybe getting a a uti like cystitis or perhaps thrush 
And other symptoms, dry eyes, dry mouth. Um, I'm just thinking off the top of my head. So there's, there's a plethora there of symptoms that on their own might find you're sent to a specialist or, you know, you might want to see a specialist. But actually when you join the dots and they come together, it's often the first sign of, of perimenopause. Yeah, and it's difficult to join those dots, let's face it. I mean, I think that, um, you know... If you if you have isolated symptoms and even you don't know what's going on, it can be difficult for often a health professional to join those dots for you, particularly in isolation, particularly if you're going to see your GP who probably has 11 minutes with you or, or maybe a bit less. I think what's really important is that you monitor your symptoms so that you can decide whether or not HRT is something for you and, wh- and whether or not you're perimenopausal or not, because actually it can avoid a lot of problems, a lot of stress, a lot of heartache by being sent to various different specialists who then obviously start you back to your GP to say that, you know, there's nothing wrong with your heart, your palpitations, we can't find anything wrong, or, you know, a rheumatologist, your joints, you know, there's nothing wrong, you're still getting joint pain, but there's nothing wrong with your joints. So it's really important not only to monitor your symptoms to see if hormone replacement therapy will help, but also just to monitor your symptoms to see if you do start hormone replacement therapy, if the HRT is actually going to help those or if it does help. So, yeah, I think a plethora of symptoms, I, I often say, and we often say in our workshops, you know, someone once mentioned 34, 35 symptoms of the menopause. And I would say that probably there's hundreds, hundreds of symptoms of the menopause. We just don't specifically think about them as perimenopausal or menopausal. And you mentioned tinnitus there, Caroline. I think that it's important to remember that tinnitus can be worsened in the perimenopause and it can be an entirely new symptom. So often in the perimenopause, you know, those, those east, the estrogen fluctuations can cause a worsening of our tinnitus. And it's worth remembering that too, because tinnitus is one of those, again, fairly insidious symptoms where you're not quite sure whether or not it's perimenopausal or menopausal related. But also don't forget what we're thinking about here is we're thinking about holistic treatment. So we're not just thinking about each individual woman as being peri or menopausal. We're thinking about them as being perimenopausal along with all their other symptoms and their life and the collection of stories. So we're thinking about them holistically. So, you know, yes, menopause may be happening, but also, yes, stress may be happening and difficulties in their personal and social life as well. So thinking about that a bit more holistically and realising that, yeah, for some women, hormone replacement therapy isn't always the answer and isn't always going to sort out all your symptoms. But certainly for many, many women, it will. And actually, most recently, partly through the documentary and, and lots of discussions and workshops we've been doing, you know, we've been pointing out that whilst we talk about um, the hormones of, you know, progesterone, estrogen and testosterone, which we'll come on to a bit later, we don't talk about um stress or cortisol and adrenaline as much and actually those are stress hormones as it were um, which can be really useful um, if we're busy and we're needing to be active but also can um, get out of I guess get out of whack a little bit and and make many symptoms a lot worse so as you say that holistic approach is really really important and we acknowledge that HRT is not for everybody there are many people that don't want to take it there are some that do there are some that want to and maybe can't get the, the combination they want and it takes a bit of trial and error as well um, and there are many, some that, you know, that can't. So it's it's just really this episode trying to kind of 
bust a few myths, but also kind of be clear about what HRT is. And you mentioned oestrogen and progesterone. Um, we need to take progesterone if we still have our, our womb intact, don't we? Yeah, so it's really important to think of the two hormones as needing to be side by side, just as they are in our normal cycle. If we decide to take HRT, you both uh, you need both hormones. And that's essentially because oestrogen increases the lining of the womb and progesterone stops it getting too thick and stops any nasty changes within that lining. And it's that, so that's really important. If you've got a, few, a uterus, you need both hormones. And that's really easy to replace because we know that with hormone replacement therapy, the safest type of form is what we call body identical here in the UK. In the US, it's sometimes referred to as bioidentical, which can be slightly confusing. But in, in the UK, it's body identical, which essentially means it's... Um, chemically and biologically similar to what we produce naturally so you need both hormones and the way we try to give that in the UK um, as as a first option is through the skin with oestrogen and uh, a tablet called Eutrogestin which is a micronized body identical progesterone which is taken orally at night and it's really really safe I think what we need to get across today is that hormone replacement therapy is a really really safe form of medication it's really, really, it's widely used um, and taken appropriately. Um, it is, there's no reason why you shouldn't take it really. And certainly in the first, given in the first 10 years of your natural menopause, so that's the first 10 years without a period, um, it's, it's really, really safe. And maybe we should touch on that, um, those, those terms as well, because perimenopause is that lead up to the day of menopause and menopause is really a retrospective diagnosis. So, the, you know, the, the one day where you've reached menopause is when you haven't had uh, a menstrual bleed for 12 consecutive months. And then once you get to that point, you're, you're post-menopause or, or menopausal, aren't you? So, so you've talk, we've mentioned um, the body identical um, progesterone there. That There is an alternative. If you are taking oestrogen through the skin, so transdermally in a patch, a gel or a spray, you have a womb, you have a uterus, you need the progesterone component. You've mentioned utrogestin, the micronized progesterone, which is derived from yams and it's body identical. So it's the closest possible match to what we produce. But another option is the marina coil, isn't it? Yeah, so the marina coil is another really, really great option. It is a synthetic progestogen, um, but it sits in the uterus. And because it's locally absorbed, the effects of it don't go elsewhere in the body. So whereas whereas you could take the same hormone orally, and you, you probably would have a variety of progestogenic side effects, like bloating and breast tenderness, for example, to name just, just two there. If you use the marina coil, most women find that not only do they not get those side effects, but it's A, in in the uterus and thins the lining of the womb, so it's likely you'll stop bleeding altogether, and B, it's a contraceptive, and C, if it's used as part of your progesterone for HRT, it's licensed for up to five years. So you then only need to take oestrogen through the skin, um, as as like you said, Karen, as a gel patch or spray and so it's really really simple and it's obviously another thing you don't have to remember to use so the marina coil is great now i know some women find the idea of marina coil a bit odd and you know having something internally sometimes is a bit strange but i would say that you know if you go to a specialist clinic if you go to a clinic that inserts them even on the nhs if you go to a clinic that inserts them regularly they are so experienced in insertions that it's really it's not a pleasant experience don't get me wrong but it shouldn't be painful 
um, it should be a little bit uncomfortable because obviously you're having something put into your uterus, but it shouldn't be painful. And actually that comes back round to just doing a little bit of reading around. You know, if, you, if you're beginning to investigate HRT and what your options are, just beginning to read around the possibilities. So you, have, you, you can have that discussion with your healthcare professional and say, well, this is what I think I might like. Um, and they can be able to guide you um, around, around the different options. So, you know, we've talked about estrogen transdermally. We've talked about a separate progesterone if you do have a uterus or a womb. There are combined patches, though, as well, aren't there, which, which are still available? Yeah. So there's combined patches, which um, are really, really great if you don't want to apply something every day or, or remember to take a tablet every day. There are obviously tablets that you can take as well, um, which which many women which many women do take. We tend not to use them quite so often as first line anymore because we know there are safer options such as the estrogen through the skin and progesterone as a body identical form there is a newer type of tablet actually that's um it's i say new it's been around for for a few months now called by juve and this is a body identical estrogen and a body identical progesterone given in one tablet you take at night and this is only really licensed at the moment for post-menopausal women so menopausal women being women who have not had a period for 12 months because it is a continuous form of progesterone where you take a progesterone every day as opposed to certain times of the month. Um, and that will that's that's also a really exciting new prospect for many women, particularly women who travel a lot, women who are going who do shift work, for example. It just means that they're not having to use two preparations, they're just using one thing a day and it's more they're more likely to remember to take it and therefore they're more likely to get an improvement in their symptoms. And going back to the marine coil, actually, something I just wanted to mention there is that, you know, if you're getting heavier periods, which is often, a, you know, a, a general symptom, you might have lived with for, for a while. It could be a, a perimenopause symptom. A lot of women find they get that sort of flooding, that kind of quite heavy bleed as they come through perimenopause. But actually, a marine coil can be really helpful in, in those incidences, can't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, that marine coil, we, we shouldn't dismiss it as, as, as being you know, second line, it should be up there as a choice for women. And I think it should be offered and you sh- should be thought about because it is a really great option. Yeah. Um, and then coming back to the vaginal dryness, vaginal symptoms and, and bladder control as well. Uh, another possibility is vaginal estrogen, isn't it, as well? Yeah, we know that um, traditional hormone replacement therapy, which is what we've spoken about, is great, but it doesn't always... Um, help to relieve the symptoms of vaginal dryness. So we call this genitourinary symptoms of the menopause. Um, and that can include vaginal dryness, uh, vaginal soreness. It can include pain during sexual intercourse. Um, it can include symptoms of urine infection. So that kind of frequency and urgency to pee or even slightly discomfort on passing urine. Or even just that sense that, you know, you need to pee quite frequently because your bladder is a bit irritated. So we know that HRT is good, but it doesn't always manage to rectify or solve those symptoms. So that's when vaginal estrogen can be really, really helpful. And we know vaginal estrogen is really safe. We know that it's safe to give in women who've had a previous history of breast cancer and in women who've had a previous history of estrogen respect to positive breast cancer. The reason for that is that it's it's um, the, the dose of estrogen absorbed through the vagina is very, very low. And what we also know is that giving vaginal estrogen alongside HRT is very safe and can be used long term. And, and often, actually, both are required together. 
Um, and vaginal estrogen, um, vaginal estrogen can be, um, it often comes in a, a pessary form, doesn't it? Or sometimes with an applicator and a small pessary as well. So Yeah, so it, sometimes it can come as a cream. Um, there's, there's various different forms. So there's a cream which can be quite useful if you're very sore vaginally, because actually what you can start doing is inserting a tiny bit of cream with your, with your fingertip. Um, and then as you become less sore, then inserting the applicator to use, to use the vaginal estrogen higher up. It can also be useful to rub in some vaginal estrogen cream to the vulva areas if you're quite sore. Um, there are various different forms. There is, a, there is a product called the E-string, which is a uh, vaginal estrogen ring, which can be inserted by your GP into the vagina and re- releases a, a very low dose of estrogen over three months. This is great. This is such a good option because you don't, don't have to be applying something every day or every night or twice a week. It just sits in the vagina and once it's in, you don't feel it. It's it's you can't feel it during sexual intercourse. It's just there and it sits there, releasing its estrogen. And what's also really nice about it is because it sits higher up in the in the in the walls of vagina. There's evidence to suggest that actually it's, it penetrates the bladder, the bladder base a bit better. So that's also great news for women who've had recurrent symptoms of UTIs or um, urinary frequency or urgency, so that, that need to pass urine frequently. And we know that no woman is exactly the same, um, no person is exactly the same, so we're going to experience this in a very different way to, say, a friend or a mum or, a, you know, an aunt. Um, but actually, the combination of symptoms is often how perimenopause is, is diagnosed, isn't it? And actually, this is one of the reasons we don't tend to do blood tests, yeah, it's because the blood tests are fairly unreliable. It's certainly in the perimenopause, your levels go up and down so frequently that we might test you and you might get a normal result. It doesn't mean you're not perimenopausal, it just means we've captured a normal result. So actually, if you're over 45 and you've got symptoms, whatever those symptoms might be, you're likely to be perimenopausal. And if you want to trial a hormone replacement cell therapy, have a trial you know, certainly a three to six month trial isn't going to do any harm. And if you decide to stay on it a lot longer, it's it's equally not going to do any harm. But I know there's still some concern about actually initiating HRT for some women, for some health professionals. So even if you just think of it as I'm going to give this a go for three months and see how I feel, it can often give you the self-confidence to go, well, actually, I feel so much better. I'm going to continue this. And it's within your control that way. Yeah. And actually, something else I wanted to mention was um, Dutch tests, because I've seen those pop up on a lot of social media groups as well um, and, and seen that been, being discussed. And it's it's a urine test, as far as I understand. It is. It's not. I, I don't find it reliable, actually. I think if we want to measure hormone levels, we should be doing a venous blood sample, which is a, a proper blood, a blood test to, to check levels. And we only really check that if there's evidence of an earlier menopause or if we're looking to see if you're absorbing estrogen um, correctly, or if we're looking to see what your testosterone levels are like. There's very few reasons why you would do it otherwise, and I'm not so sure that a Dutch test is, is, is reliable. And an early, earlier menopause, um, under under 45? Is that the sort of yeah, general so guidelines? I it, yeah, I think generally under 40, um, you would want to do some tests under sort of the age of 45. If the, if the diagnosis is a little bit in question, you might want to do um, you might want to do a blood test. But actually, if you say 43, 44 and you've got fairly bundled symptoms, then actually I wouldn't really bother doing a blood test. I'd go straight to treatment if that's some, what some, someone wanted. 
So we've we've covered the sort of estrogen and, and progesterone component, and we we spoke to Dr. Zoe Hodgson, didn't we, um, a few weeks ago now about testosterone, um, um, and this came up again actually in, in the documentary we mentioned at the beginning of this episode. And so we're finding there are a lot more questions around testosterone, um, and I think maybe we should begin with why it isn't a kind of a first point in the HRT process. Why we begin with estrogen and potentially progesterone? Yeah. So. The honest answer is I don't know, because testosterone is our third hormone. So we produce a lot of testosterone from our ovaries, probably four times the amount of estrogen. The reason it's been thought that we need to get HRT at a good level first is because we have enzymes in our body called aromatase enzymes. And when you add in testosterone too early and you haven't got adequate levels of estrogen, it's thought that that testosterone is converted or what we call aromatized to estrogen. Now, I'm not sure there's a huge amount of evidence behind that, but that is what persists. And so that's what we we do. And according to NICE guidance, you know, we follow NICE guidance. So we, we actually add in testosterone at a later date if you've been adequately estrogenized. But there is mounting evidence to suggest that women actually do really well when testosterone is started on its own as well. So I don't want you know, lots of women to rush out to their GP and say, I want testosterone over HRT. We're not quite there yet, but we know that testosterone is a really important third hormone. And and as Zoe said in that Davina McCall episode, which was just fantastic, you know, we, we, we have these three hormones, but actually we only replace two. What, why is that? Which is really... It's the missing right. link, isn't it? The, that third, that third one. And it, it, we know that according to NICE guidelines at, at the moment, and uh, it's it's cited as helping with libido, but we also know that actually it can, it can help with, with joint pain and muscle, muscle ache, possibly even that kind of brain fog a lot of women suffer from, can't it? Yeah, absolutely. So we know that the NICE guidance is very, very, very sort of certain that this is, should be used as a second line uh, for libido, which is um, fully understandable. But we also know through practice-based evidence, so this is just seeing women, seeing what works for them, seeing how testosterone helps, that testosterone helps so much more than just libido. And it's important for bone health. It's important for cardiovascular health. It's also important, as you say, for our cognitive functions. So, you know, being able to have that word finding recall and memory concentration, self-confidence, motivation, all of those things are really key um, and linked quite closely to testosterone. So, yes, libido is one. But libido is really complicated in women, and we've spoken about this before. Libido is more than just testosterone in women. It's 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 so much bigger than that. Um, but testosterone is is can be the icing on the cake or the cherry on the top of the cake um when it comes to hrt and hormone replacement and i know we can't cover you know all underlying health conditions but we've had a few questions come up recently that you know just resonate or i'm probably more coming to mind as we record this today and um you know things like headaches and migraines i actually heard um it was a journalist that said to me well you know i can't take it because i get headaches and i get some some migraines but you know it's a real shame because I'd, re- I'd really like to try it. and i said to her you know i think you know we've spoken to dr katie munro she's a great specialist around this this topic but you know there are there are often options aren't there yeah i would encourage anyone who's had a history of migraines to listen to that episode or even to buy katie munro's munro's book managing your migraines because um, um, yes, if you've had migraines, if you've had migraines with aura and you've been told previously you can't take a combined pill, that's correct. 
that's because the combined pill contains a synthetic oestrogen, which is more likely to give you a migraine and increase your risk of clot. Now, if you have a migraine and a migraine with aura, which is where you get all those funny symptoms, visual symptoms, funny smells, tingling and numbness in your body, then we know that HRT taken in the form of transdermal oestrogen, so oestrogen through the skin as a gel patch or spray, and the micronized progesterone, which is the body-identical progesterone taken as a tablet, is very, very for you. So don't suffer in silence. If you've been told that you can't take HRT, go back to a different health professional and seek a second opinion because that's not true. Um, and if you are worried about underlying health conditions, but you want to investigate HRT or look into it, it's really worth doing some reading around HRT. It's worth having a chat with perhaps your practice nurse. If you're here in the UK, practice nurses are really helpful. Your GP and, you know, looking at your practice surgery. So maybe the GP you normally see is, is not the, the sort of specialist in this area or, you know, the one that's most up to date. So having a look at the GPs you have in your surgery, or who, who's got the, the interest in, in post-reproductive health, in menopause, uh, and, and Possibly investigating it a little bit further. We talked earlier about tracking symptoms as well, so you don't just go in with one symptom. And actually, we always recommend the Balance app, don't we, for, for tracking things? Um, yeah, the Balance app and having a look at the Balance website because, you know, there's a whole, I mean, Dr. Louise Newsom, there's a whole host of information there. And I'd say that and Menopause Matters and probably a couple of other websites which we've spoken about before are all you need and I think that's important because when you go onto social media or onto the internet and you and you research the perimenopause and menopause you get sort of led down a rabbit hole of different websites none of some of which are sort of not great I have to say and, and I think that there's, there's a few websites out there that we've mentioned so balance is one menopause matters is another British Menopause Society is also another really well validated website and I think the less is more you go to those websites do your research um, and that's that's all you need you don't need to be going anywhere else obviously there's us there's the menopause sisters but we're obviously providing evidence-based information but from a perspective actually going on to a physical website those are the ones i would recommend because yeah if you've got other health conditions it's important to be able to understand your health condition but understand how the perimenopause and the menopause is affecting you and to arm yourself with knowledge and to present your GP or perhaps nurse, but most often it's your GP with the evidence around what you're suffering from. And, it, and as I said, rather than going in with one or two symptoms, going in with what's going on for you. I've monitored this for three or four months. This is how I feel. What do you think? And can we kind of come up with a plan together? And that is probably going to be the most useful consultation you've ever had. We often get asked about, um, you know, coming off HRT so if I, if I do go on HRT and I come off it will I go through the menopause again this is a really common question we get asked a lot isn't it yeah and I think that um it's worth remembering that if you come off HRT you're not going to go through the menopause again if your symptoms recur they were likely to have been there regardless of whether you took um HRT so so actually HRT is just helping those symptoms if they come back when you stop it's because they would have been there anyway so you're not going to go through the menopause again. Once you're menopausal, you're menopausal for the rest of your life. You're not going to get through it. Um, many women don't sail through it, which is another myth. And obviously, you know, HRT isn't the option for everybody. There are loads of alternative medications there. And I know today we're just focusing on HRT. But there are alternatives out there. you just got to remember that the HRT, the reason HRT is so good is obviously because it, it offers the long-term health protection 
that other medications don't offer, so particularly over the bones, brain and heart. And that's something that isn't spoken to about actually a lot. Um, I think, you know, the, the scare around breast cancer with the WHI study that, that came out about 20 years ago now, um, you know, that's still lingering. Um, and we know this body identical HRT is very, very safe. We know Uchigestin, the body identical progesterone, is, is very breast safe. So putting the breast cancer to one side, knowing that, you know, this, this form of HRT or these forms we have been speaking to or speaking about are very safe actually it's it's thinking more about heart health so the cardiovascular system the cardiovascular health the brain health and the bone health isn't it so we're, we're looking at risks of, of osteoporosis here really um and knowing that it, estrogen is going to help protect our bones yeah and, it, and, and we know that estrogen is bone protecting um and we've long we've long known that and so you know thinking about hrt I guess in a holistic way is that it's not just there to treat your symptoms in the here and now it's there to obviously offer you long-term health protection and we know taken early enough in the perimenopause so in this transition the better your long-term health prospects are we know that it lowers cardiovascular disease it lowers your cholesterol it reduces your risk of diabetes it reduces your risk of heart disease um, and it improves your sense of self and your well-being and confidence you know and those are great things to you know when we think about the leading cause of death in the uk being cardiovascular disease and and actually you know if we can reduce that risk by by offering women and having a discussion with women about taking hrt then we should be doing that um, and I'm, I'm going to put my hand up here at this point because actually, um, you know, as our listeners know, and a lot of people in my classes, I do offer, if I get asked, I'm very, very honest, I am on HRT, I am on um, estrogel um, and utrogestin, the micronized body identical progesterone we've been speaking about. And I think it's really important for me to say that because often people have come up to me and said, oh my goodness, you're a yoga teacher, you're taking HRT. You know, they're quite some, I've had quite a few reactions. And for me, I'm like, well, it's exactly the same as what my body was producing. I'm taking a body identical form i'm not putting any chemicals into my body um, and actually my symptoms had got severe enough for me to need a bit of extra help you know i was managing things through breath work through movement through relaxation through my diet my nutrition what i was eating what i was doing and it had got to the point where the brain fog was uh, overwhelming and the and the muscle ache the joint pain and a few other symptoms just needed that extra bit of help so i'm putting my hand up here again today just to say yes i am i'm on it but also i don't think you know admitting that we're not coping and that we might need something else is not a sign of failure and i think for too long women have suffered in silence and said oh i'm just going to get through the menopause and and asking for help or asking for HRT or even taking HRT seemed to seem as a bit of a failure. Actually, it's complete opposite. You know, putting your hand up and going, I need help is about empowerment. It's about self-confidence. It's about saying, well, actually, I want to carry on. I want to carry on well. I, and I want to age well. We are aging, but we want to age well. So actually, you know, we need to break the taboo that taking HRT or taking a medication, whatever it is, is a sign of failure it's not it's a sign that you're wanting to make your body better and that's yeah. a positive thing 
Absolutely. And I had somebody in my class recently, you know, she's in her, her early 70s and she's still getting hot flushes. And I said, well, you, you know, I, I, I gave her some information and put, signposted her, but I actually said, you know, just go and speak, just go and speak to your GP, go and speak to your practice nurse. So you're still suffering with these, these symptoms and you're postmenopausal and there will be something that can be done. And we're really aware that, you know, there'll be people listening to this episode, perhaps contemplating HRT or, or reinvestigating it. Maybe they've come off it or they want to try it. Um, but there'll be also those that perhaps don't want to go down the HRT route. And we want to just to, to mention, you know, we've spoken about nutrition before um, and we've recorded a, a wonderful session with Emma Ellis Flint, who's a, a menopausal nutritionist. Um, but actually, you know, we know some herbal remedies and medicines can help. Acupuncture, we know yoga to support perimenopause and menopause is really supportive. Cognitive behavioural therapy as well. So there are other options and sometimes we like to highlight that hrt isn't always the magic bullet so you might find that you know you you kind of tweak your dose get to that point but actually there's some other things that you might need to do you might need to do a little bit more movement we don't like to use the word exercise necessarily but you might also need to just change your diet a little bit we know that things like caffeine and alcohol or sugar whilst we know they're not particularly healthy for us they can exacerbate symptoms as well and so it's managing them isn't it it's it's finding a balance of having in fun and enjoying life and not being too strict but it's also not thinking about any one treatment in isolation we're not just one isolation isolated symptom and nor should our treatment be so we're thinking about yes hrt is one option but hrt is not going to help you if you're not moving well not eating well not sleeping well not looking after yourself so all of these things need to be done in conjunction i know that's boring to hear but actually there's no point in doing any of this because unless you're unless you're starting to look after yourself because we know the menopause is a whole host of symptoms you wrap that around the life that you're leading now and it's going to infiltrate every aspect of your life so unless we're managing to look after ourselves and be kind to ourselves with in in whatever way that is for you that might be about diet it might be about giving yourself a little bit of a break and having a five minute rest might be it might be just sort of you know taking time out of your day to just meditate or practice some yoga or do some pilates whatever that is for you unless you're doing those things hormone replacement therapy will be beneficial but it probably won't be as fully beneficial as you'd like it to be so really thinking about yourself holistically at this time of life is imperative and a lot of these things can often be a luxury for many women um and so thinking there's this wonderful book i I read um around you know creating this community if you can through friends if you don't have family if you don't have a partner if you do have children or you have elderly parents you know who can possibly support you whether that's just asking them to to make a meal for you can you cook one meal for you or could you take my kids just for an hour or whatever it might be but just thinking a little bit more about what could possibly help me what or who are the community around me that can maybe support and help me as well we've talked about menopause cafes before we um we interviewed dr helen douglas didn't we um last year and she's one of the trustees for menopause cafe but there are they are dotted around as well and if you go to the menopause cafe website it can um it just guides you as to how to set up a menopause cafe and the, these are kind of almost like virtual cafes you, you could meet in a cafe you could meet in a library you could meet in the park on a nice day but it's about bringing community together to 
to support each other um, and and actually we know through the workshops we facilitated actually talking about it with other, with other people is really really helpful I think so I think I think it's one part of the puzzle isn't it it's just opening up and breaking down those taboos Brilliant. Thanks for your expertise, Dr. Claire. And we will follow this up with another one around alternatives soon.